healing of a nation. My name is Eric Gopel, founder of the Veterans Cannabis Coalition. With me today is Shelly McKay, co-owner of Cannabis Works, a licensed dispensary in Southern California. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. AeroBloom is a proprietary patent-pending aeroponic system that reliably achieves at least double the crop yield of hydroponic cultivation. AeroBloom also uses 40 to 90% less water than hydroponics or traditional farming practices and produces a higher quality harvest with one additional crop cycle per year. At over four pounds of AAA quality trimmed flower per light and one additional harvest per year, AeroBloom is the highest producing, most efficient cultivation system in the cannabis industry. To learn more about AeroBloom, please visit their website at aerobloom.com. And to learn more about their current investment opportunity, please visit the Razzle Investment Marketplace at razzle.com. This is Healing of a Nation. With me again today is Shelly McKay. So Shelly, you're a co-owner of Cannabis Works, a licensed dispensary in uh, Santa Ana, California. Um, the only city in Orange County, uh, a county of several million people, uh, with licensed cannabis retail. I would love to hear more about you know how how you got to the point where you became one of the few licensed uh, you know owners and operators in mm -hmm. a very restrictive area, mm -hmm. um, and you know what the what's your intent with cannabis works cannabis as works. a dispensary is sure. So um, just even the reason why I entered the cannabis space simply is for compassionate reasons. Uh, I had a dear friend in 2012 by the name of Eddie that was diagnosed with. Um, stage four esophageal cancer. And he had a couple of months um, to live. And so he decided to, along with treatment, um, take RSO. And um, I wasn't familiar with Rick Simpson oil, which is now I know it's a, it's a very um, concentrated form of oil, but he used this oil. And so his, his life was extended, you know, past his diagnosis by three years. But the quality of life um, that he had was amazing. You know, he was able to compete in some pretty uh, grueling off-road races. And so I firsthand saw the benefit of cannabis just used in that situation to improve the, the remaining time he had. So um, then, it, then it came to a personal level with me where, you know, I had a lot of different um, orthopedic injuries um, in my 40s. I started, it just started breaking down. Sure. And so I had quite a few surgeries. So I was on that, like, you know, that medical, um, you know, you go in for that um, visit. They give you a, a steroid injection. And then, you know, it just eventually steroids ends up. Steroids and painkillers. Steroids, painkillers, yeah. and then surgery. Right. So I had had five surgeries in, the, in a period of uh, four years. Wow. That's uh, a lot which was extensive. It was neck, yeah. shoulder, elbow. It was a lot. And so I had tremendous pain. And so when I f saw the benefit of cannabis oil with Eddie, um, there, then I gave it a try. And I started using different ratio to oils, you know, whether it was CBD rich or, you know, THC at night for sleep and pain. And I was able to, one by one, knock off whatever pharmaceuticals I'd been taking then I stopped even using over-the-counter um, pain relievers, and I noticed a lot of great improvement in my health. Not only was I seeing the doctor far less, surgery stopped, um, and side effects. I was having, um, I had no more stomach issues. So, you know, I saw the benefits. So then I dove deep into the research of cannabis. Um, so the past few years, I've been heavily studying the plant. So we had the opportunity with other partners. Um, we, um, you know, when Santa Ana an announced that they were going to um, allow for medicinal dispensaries, you know, it was just a matter of um, submitting a lottery ball, and we were one of the ones picked. But we were one of the last dispensaries to open 
Um, so we've been open since February of 2018. But knowing, um, you know, and studying the plant and working with different clients with this oil, um, that's when I, we knew from the very beginning we wanted to open up and educate the public and use it as a, a tool for wellness. And we, we see it as a supplement for wellness. But, you know, we, we see a lot of different people that come in every single day with, with different um, things they're looking to help, or whether it's just for fun or, you know, just sure. to relaxation or sleep yeah I mean in I think no matter where uh, whether whatever medicinal or adult use uh, state I think you're talking about you know the first point of contact customers and patients often have you know are with you know bud tenders mm -hmm. or uh, you know so store associates and they often rely on those individuals to guide them to the kind of products that uh, you know that are that are going to meet the needs that they're that they're looking for and having you know, I know cannabis works, especially, you know, takes the time to bring the, but, you know, bring your, your sales uh, staff up to speed about, you know, the ask, you know, not just the selling points of individual products, but the overall chemistry of the plant and how, you know, different cannabinoids and different ratios are going to impact different conditions um, as best, we, as best as we understand it anyway. Right. Um, you know, a lot of what we all work with is, I mean, you could argue it's largely anecdotal, of course, but, you know, we understand that the things that we're seeing is at least backed by some 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 level of research, if, even if it's not necessarily the highest quality. Um, and more importantly, though, like we see the results firsthand, right? You know, you saw with Eddie the impact that using, uh, you know, a full-spectrum oil you know, along the Rick Simpson oil method had on his quality of life as he dealt with a terminal case of cancer. Right. Right. And that's not something that, right, you're, it's going to be hard to convince people otherwise, right? That, it, right. you know, that this was some unknown element that was, uh, you know, having that effect and it wasn't, you know, the, the cannabis oil itself. Right. Um, so once, you know, you get involved in the cannabis industry, you know, you're, you're now operating, you know, one of the only licensed dispensaries in Orange County. Um, you know, what, you, you see a lot of different kinds of patients obviously come through your doors. You know, what, it, what are the, some of the biggest, you know, uh, compl I guess, medical complaints that people have? Or, or what are they looking to, to cannabis to help them uh, manage? Uh, so I would say the top three would be sleep. Sure. Uh, anxiety slash depression and um, pain and um, you know quite frankly there's a lot of people that um, because of the opiate crisis they are looking to get um, to a different um, solution to help them with their pain or their or, or sleep issues so um, you know we know that you know, not only do we think that education is important and learning about this plant and staying on the current science, because it is being studied outside of the United States. There are right. published studies. Tikkun Alam is one of those con companies that's that's constantly publishing their, their findings, you know, and they're showing that these different cannabinoids are effective for different health conditions. So here in the United States, you know, it's still Schedule 1, and so we're barred. And um, so, but the research is happening outside sure. the United yeah. States. And yes, we are seeing um, quite a few uh, 
patients that come to us, and it's not just they're coming straight to us, they're being referred to dispensaries. Um, so we work with, um, you know, different doctors that, whether they're working with um, the senior population, um, they specialize in trying to um, get the, the, the seniors off of polypharmacy. Um, and we have seen just through their protocols alone and the oils that they're sending their clients in for, they're microdosing with these substances and they're able to, you know, stop taking certain meds upon the advice of their doctor, of course. Right. But, you know, and then we're also working with um, uh, different groups that are sending in, um, you know, children on the spectrum or um, like uh, physicians like Dr. Bonnie Goldstein, who works with pediatric can cancer and uh, children on the spectrum. And, um, you know, I mean, she's got a film out there, Weed the People. If anybody has not seen it yet, I encourage you to, to watch it. <laughs> it is on Netflix, yeah. And, uh, but, you know, it just shows the power of um, these cannabinoids. And, of course, it's pretty early, um, you know, the endocannabinoid system wasn't really discovered until the late 80s, early 90s. So it's an early, you know, science. We've got a lot, a lot of groundwork to cover. But, you know, what we see in the dispensary, you know, there's, there's such a gap. There's a, there are our cannabis clinicians that practice with cannabis and they understand um, how it works with the endocannabinoid system but there are um, many 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 doctors that don't they're not taught that in medical school I mean it's just now starting but um, so there's a gap and we know that there's a gap and people are coming to us because they've heard or a doctor says try cannabis but they don't necessarily know how to to coach them or guide them so you know we we do a lot of different things to um, increase awareness or education around cannabis. We uh, certify our staff through a program called Healer, which is uh, by Dr. Dustin Sulak, who is another cannabis clinician on the East Coast. But um, so that we just understand the benefits of these cannabinoids, but also their interactions, their interactions with certain medications. And, you know, to not tell someone that, I think, would be very ignorant, you know. And, right. you know, it's very important to to educate the client, to empower them to make a decision about their own health, you know. Yes. And, you know, I've, I've seen sometimes uh, criticisms, you know, leveled at dispensaries and the, you know, uh, adult use commercial industry mm -hmm. for not doing more to educate, you know, clientele on the different effects of cannabinoids and everything right. else. And often this is coming from doctors, which I find super rich. Uh, considering I don't think there's too many medical societies or medical colleges that ever delve, you know, significantly into the endocannabinoid system. Right. Which, it's been called the most important neurotransmitter system in your body. And the fact that we are just essentially scratching the surface of it uh, in the last uh, 30 or, you know, 30 or 40 years, um, despite it, it being there, right? You know, mm -hmm. we, and the, uh, and, you know, the understanding that, it, you know, the endocannabinoid system exists in, I think, almost I think in all vertebrates yep. or all mammals, at least. Um, so it's so it's incredibly widespread. Right. It's made it basically uh, you have two different types of receptors in your body that respond um, to these self-made cannabinoids, uh, the end, your endocannabinoids, which are you know produced by your body, um, anandamide and 2-AG. And those are the two. Those are the two dominant endocannabinoids that you know interact with the different receptors in your body. Now, the cannabinoids we find in plants, in cannabis specifically, T, you know THC and CBD being the two major workhorse um, molecules in the plant. They, those also interact with your bodily uh, with your bodily systems, right? So because they mimic the composition and molecular structure of 
your endocannabinoids, they, they bind to your receptors and they have effects, right? THC and CBD both, you know, modulate a variety of different bodily systems in a variety of different ways. And as well, along with the other minor cannabinoids like CBG, uh, you know, and THCA, right, all the acidic precursors, you know, all the A's and the, uh, the Varin um, subtypes, the V's, you know, there's, there's a lot of different cannabinoids. They all seem to have effects. Uh, and in addition, of course, you have, you know, terpenes, which are hydrocarbons found throughout the, uh, throughout the plant world. Um, but which seemingly work in synergy with um, the other major cannabinoids, you know, when you're consuming them all together. Right. So, I mean, it, there's, there's a lot there, right? And again, this is something that really should be, you know, robustly investigated. And you could spend, you know, billions of dollars over the next, you know, few decades. And I feel like we're, we'd still only be you know, part of the way there and really mm -hmm. unlocking how all of these things uh, right. work individually and then work together and then, you know, doing the testing and experimentation required to figure, in, to figure out like what the right combination ingestion method, right. you know, frequency uh, of dosage to treat each individual um, person and, right. you know, and their, their specific conditions because we understand too people react differently to different cannabinoids. Mm -hmm. Some people seem to, you know, react maybe more, you know, uh, they seem to feel like more anxious or, or more stressed out when they use THC mm -hmm. perhaps, you know, they may be more sensitive to THC mm -hmm. or I don't know too many people that are sensitive to CBD because it's pretty, uh, it's so very innocuous uh, as, as far as like a medical or a, a molecule that has like a medical effect. Right. Um, but, you know, with, with all that we're talking about as far as the complexity of the plant and all the different ways that people um, can use it medicinally, you know, we, we hit on a, on a bigger picture, which is, you know, in California especially, what started us on a path to legalization was Prop 215, the medicinal cannabis, right, mm -hmm. the medicinal cannabis work, um, the medicinal cannabis uh, referendum passed in 1996, uh, which created the medicinal cannabis market uh, to, 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 different, to a certain extent, to a certain yeah. extent um, you know, in the state of California. And it was patients, you know, led by, you know, advocates like Dennis Perone and Brownie Mary Rathbun who were advocating on behalf of cancer and AIDS patients, mm -hmm. uh, particularly in the, Bay, in the greater Bay Area, um, and arguing that, you know, for these folks who were facing terminal illnesses like AIDS and, and cancer, especially, you know, 25 years ago, these were, you know, AIDS especially was far more deadly than it is today. Um, they were arguing that these individuals, like all individuals who are facing, you know, degradation of quality of life, you know, cr terminal chronic pain, they should have the right to use cannabis mm -hmm. uh, to alleviate those symptoms as, as much as they can. You know, it, it, and that, that message of compassion ended up winning out, right? And, it, and it's what set California as a world leader in compassionate uh, cannabis. Now, that has changed somewhat with the passage of adult use uh, legalization in 2016 uh, with Prop 64. And what we have seen, while there have been, I think, expansions like legal protections when it comes to, you know, every adult, adult in the state now is the, has the, legal, is the legally protected right to grow six plants, for example. Correct. Right? That's, a, that's a very big uh, step, I think, in, in the right direction in terms of 
defining, you know, the, I guess, making sure that pay, that the, let me try that again. I think Prop 64 did a good job of defining exactly the limits of the state in, a, in their ability to enforce the law against someone, you know, growing or consuming cannabis, right? And creating a, in creating a six-plant limit, while it's very arbitrary, um, it does allow, I think, patients quite a bit of leeway in being able to grow their own medicine. Right. Um, which I think should is basically the foundation for all this. That you know, even if the, the legal industry disappeared tomorrow, people would still have the capacity to produce this medicine themselves. Correct. Although, of course, we understand that not everyone is in the position to grow their own. Um, they don't have the either either the permission or the space or the extra time and money to do so, um, and so they rely on the legal industry to for affordable and accessible medicine. With, you know, with the end of with the passage of Prop 64, what we've looked, what we've been facing, um, you know, from the patient perspective, has been an affordability and accessibility crisis. Definitely right. Legal prices have put cannabis out of reach of many patients who uh, had rely, you know, rely on cannabis as a medicine. Simply because of the taxing structure. And largely because of the tax structure, mm -hmm. right? The, mm -hmm. the 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 cost that the state in you know places on um, on cannabis businesses is significant and that cost basically gets passed down to the consumer and the patient and while there are, there are certain patient protections there 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 I think there sure there there needs to be I think far more provision um, for the people who basically brought us to this point right the, the patients who uh, were responsible for putting us on the path of legalization have largely been forgotten Correct. Um, which is what prompted a group of advocates, Team Compassion, uh, to work on a bill last year. Well, we originally passed uh, by the California State Legislature in 2018 before it was vetoed uh, at the last minute by former Governor Jerry Brown. Mm -hmm. um, but SB 34, the Brownie Mary, excuse me, the Dennis Prone and Brownie Mary Compassion Act, um, allows California cannabis, licensed California cannabis companies to donate medicinal to donate cannabis products and essentially not be, not incur uh, state taxes. So, under the previous arrangement, the companies, legal companies, were disincentivized from donating product because they had to pay the full legal price on whatever they were trying to donate, um, which was at least you know it's a few hundred times, a few hundred percent more than uh, their cost of production, which limits in in you know what individual businesses are able to uh, to donate considering we're, you're we're working on a pretty low margin correct uh, industry at the moment considering the, the tax burden everybody's facing right with SB 34 uh, that was changed and basically companies can now designate uh, cannabis products for medicinal patients and licensed retailers like cannabis works mm -hmm. can act as the point of distribution right and essentially the and if you do what we're what we've attempted to do in, in trying to set up uh, a compassion program with Cannabis Works um, aimed at veterans is if you can arrange down the, the line of production from the cultivator or the manufacturer through the distributor or through the retailer and basically get everybody on the same page and saying, listen, these are all, all these products coming, you know, starting here and going through here and ending here, these are all marked and designated as, you know, being tagged for medicinal uh, donations. 
and that way you can you can significantly bring down the the burden on on a dispensary or on any any individual company in trying to like come up with enough product to meet like a pretty incessant demand. Right. So cannabis works. Uh, you know, we have been working, I think, for over a year now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, trying to figure out ways to educate and to ensure that veterans, especially, are, have access to medicine that they need. Um, and Cannabis Works has been nice enough, or let's say, generous enough to, you know, dedicate your staff and you know, put your own connections at at the disposal of the community, and to bring companies into this to to donate products, with, which I think is. As exemplary, um, and that's exactly the kind of arrangement and model that can be, you know, replicated throughout the state. Um, is it going to meet the 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 demand from the patient community? No, of course not. Like there, there's you know, charity is not a, is not a long term solution to the issue of affordability and accessibility. Right. However, it is necessary, especially now when people are you know. You know, in a time where we're seeing you know massive uh, unemployment and, and recession, uh, you know something like this in medicine can essentially be like a like a secondary you know a secondary purchase item after you know rent and food and all these other things. Right. And you know now people are, I think, hampering their ability to you know function as well as they used to, or you know they're they're now facing a lot more issues than they than they used to because they no longer have as consistent access because they can no longer afford it. Right. Um, so, let me just kind of ramble off here. Yeah. Let me uh let me let me just reset real quick and we'll uh I'm gonna figure out a better way to to set up the cannabis works SB34 question. Sorry. It's all right. <clears throat> I'm talking too much. All right. I wanted to bring the discussion back around to the SB 34 program that Veterans Cannabis Coalition has set up in partnership with Cannabis Works in Santa Ana. It's the first site of something that we hope to expand, uh, you know, to as many places as we can, especially in Southern California, where there is not much of a compassionate donation community, um, as exists in other parts of the state. So, you know, the, the program with SB 34, you know, I, I, I obviously know how it's set up, but I think it would be helpful for uh, other folks in the industry, especially, and other licensees to kind of get a sense of right. what you've seen with it, as well as, you know, what you see as like the, the strengths or, and, you know, weaknesses, if there are any, okay. um, in the program as it currently stands. Yeah. So, um, it was signed uh, last October, and we were... I think our, the first date we were able to hold an event was March 1st, and we did. Okay. So we had uh, the event, but um, I simply reached out to the different vendors um, that make uh, products for our store, and I said, would you be interested? Um, SB 34 now allows for a compassionate donation, and of course, that's what Prop 215 was all about. And um, so, you know, with the addition of SB 34, um, we knew we could donate products, so you know we reached out, and we got a pretty decent response back. So um, every month, it's you know we've got at least what a handful, like nine or ten vendors now that are that are contributing product. Um, so yes, it's tax free. There is a form. Um, 
that um, it's like the taxing. Hold on, I, yeah, I kind of screwed up. I forget the name of the form. It's the CDTFA. It's CDTFA. And I'm trying to think where they could access it because I was given to it by Tacoon. Um, I think they can get it. They can pull it uh, from the CDTFA website. CDTFA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, so it's a, a donation form that you fill out, and um, it's pretty basic. We keep paper formatted records right now because through our POS system that we use, um, you know, of course we have metric, which is the seed to sale tracking for the state of California. So that's kind of what we had to wait on even in accepting donations legally right. um, through metric. So that's now in place, but then, um, you know, we, we keep careful, accurate records of everything that has been um, donated. But, you know, um, anybody that's in the program, whether it's a, you know, it's a veteran program, it's, it's compassionate donation for anybody that cannot afford, doesn't have access, or, but you need to have a medical recommendation right. as well. So, um, and it's as simple as that, you know? And so we hold uh, monthly events. We try to anyway, during this time, it's been a little bit more difficult, but um, to where um, anybody that's enrolled in our program can come in and pick up their donation. Right, and we've had, I think, uh, over 40 veterans, maybe over 50 we veterans. Have, now we have 50. So we've had over 50, 50. 50 veterans register and uh, receive donations through this program. Um, this is obviously, you know, there's a lot more than 50 veterans in need, but, you know, we're, we're trying to, I think, do our part to identify where the need exists right. within the community. Right. And to be able to show that is an important part in advocating for change. Um, you know, it's one thing for advocates like ourselves to say, hey, we, we know these people and they need these things. It's a very different conversation when we can say, listen, come to these meetings, right? You know. Talk to, right. talk to these talk to these people who are participating in this. You know, hear for your hear hear from other people other than us. Right. You know what what's uh, what the issues at play are. Right. And I think that's far more powerful um, often even than you know uh, a, you know a well crafted message uh, because it, it I think it it grounds the the issue in a in a much more real way in mm -hmm. people's lives when they hear from just you know, not professionals <laughs> right. Right. about, you know, how this is making a positive impact. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and we've talked about affordability and accessibility, right? You know, it, affordability in terms of the overall cost of medicine and of cannabis products and accessibility in terms of like in Santa, in, in Orange County, right. Santa Ana is the only city that allows retail. There are places that allow for delivery, but it is pretty sparsely covered as right. far as you know, let's say easy access within, you know, 10, 15 miles of, right. you know, there's not really much available. Which, which to me, translates, it doesn't allow for safe, safe access for everyone. You know, if you've only got certain cities that are allowing for cannabis retail, you know, and it's legal in the state of California, I think the misconception is that because cannabis is legal, people think they show up at any store in California where they sell cannabis and that it's okay, you know, and there's a big difference, clean and tested sure. products versus non. So, you know, I, I we do, we need more retail. We need more um, dispensaries in the state of California. There's not, not enough to support the millions of people that live here that want access, that voted for access. So, you know, it, it, 
you're you're barring like safe access to a clean product yes i know where it's overtaxed a bit you know certain cities are more than others sure i mean we're at a total of 31 percent in santa ana i was out at uh, palm desert i went through the harbor side they had a little drive-through dispensary and uh their tax taxing structure is 37 percent and i i just i n- nothing is taxed like that i no. mean you know it, so it is yeah th- I mean, there needs to be change but and I, I think that's that's maybe uh, that's that's a big issue there is like this sort of what I call like cannabis exceptionalism, mm-hmm. right? You're treating cannabis as an exceptional product in some way, unlike any other anything else that's comparable to it. You're not treating it like pharmaceutical drugs. You're not right. treating it like over-the-counter medications. You're not treating it like alcohol. You're not right. treating it like tobacco. You're treating it in a completely different way, mm-hmm. and you're you know the requirements that that are put in place, and obviously the tax. Uh, the tax issues that are uh, that, that businesses are facing, all of these basically make it very difficult to compete. The localities being able to control whether or not they license uh, retail or right. other or other kinds of cannabis businesses, right. you know, makes it also very difficult to compete because you're always competing over very limited uh, numbers of licenses. Right. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of folks in the industry that don't necessarily want a dispensary on every, you know. Um, on every street corner, right? Because there's some we don't really know what the like what the limit or you know what the capacity for dispensaries are in the state because it's been so held back for so long. Right. We don't. It's hard to it's hard to really say what the true market looks like because only a third of it exists in the legal space. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's still a lot of money, you know, exchanging hands and in, uh, in 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 terms of cannabis in California, but. So little of it, the state sees. So it's very difficult. I think it's kind of hard for us to say with any kind of, uh, you know, definitive. It's hard for us to say in any definitive way exactly, like how big, how you know, what people are consuming, how they consume it. Um, you know, but ultimately, it's going to continue on whether or not the state licenses new retail or right. localities license new retail or it continues to stay in the illicit market people will continue to you know grow and find and source and, and mm-hmm. buy cannabis um, and and sort of the question becomes it's like how much is the government going to allow uh, the market to sort of slip away and it's never going to be able to claim anywhere close to the majority of it until it be, it gets closer to what the illicit market is charging. Correct. And a lot of the, and, you know, it, it's if you're looking at cannabis as a revenue generator, you know, I, I think you know you're if you're looking at it as cannabis as a revenue generator, you're looking at it wrong. Correct. Right. It, it's it should be a way to reduce your other costs, not so much bring you know uh, fill you know gaps in your budget. Shady Creek Trading Company produces and distributes cannabis-infused wild meat jerky products. Co-created by Settlers Jerky founder, Shady Creek Trading Company is an infused jerky products and distribution corporation located in Nevada City, California. Nomad Jerky Bites is their premier product, a packaged pouch with hearty bites of ethically raised buffalo fortified with THC. Shady Creek Trading Company are the innovators of the infused meat jerky market. They are compliant by all FDA standards and use cured strips of real buffalo as opposed to pressed jerky. To learn more about Shady Creek and their current investment opportunity, please visit the Razzle Investment Marketplace at Razzle.com. So I wanted to leave with a final uh, question. Um, I know that you're working with the Last Prisoner Project now uh, and that you're supporting their, F- their work through 
through the dispensary itself. I'd love right. to hear more about how, right. that's, uh, right. how you're working on that. Yeah, so uh, starting August 1st, um, we will be accepting donations um, for Last Prisoners Project. And the Last Prisoners Project was um, started last year by the D'Angelo brothers. Uh, they have Harborside Dispensary in Oakland, California. They've got a few more throughout the state, but um, incredible advocates and activists that started this program um, as a, a way to um, help decarcerate nonviolent um, cannabis offenders, uh, people that have been, you know, you know, even. Hold on, let me back up yeah. there. Um, Last Prisoners Project, um, we, hold on, I lost my train of thought. Um, I'm affecting you. Yeah. No no so I, yeah, right, I think we got five minutes. Okay, so Last Prisoners Project is an, an, an important, pro, um, we need to decarcerate. We need to free every last prisoner that is vi um, in prison for a nonviolent cannabis crime. Um, simply because here we are, however many years later now, making money and profiting off of cannabis and they are jailed for the very same thing. So I, I in good conscience, I don't agree with that. You know, I sat as a federal court reporter for many, many years sitting and listening and taking down these drug trials and it just seemed like such an innocuous crime to me. You know, it, it, you know um, I now see, I, after studying this plant for so many years, that I consider it to be medicine. I consider it to be something that we have a human right to access. And you know, to the fact that we have so many people still in jail for cannabis is um, it's appalling to me. So we're, we're here to support that. You know, we want to um, support not only clemency, but you know, they, they also support reentry and they um, do training and education. So um, I would strongly urge anybody to please support that, that program as well. I think it's important to note that in pursuing the end of cannabis prohibition as a movement that we're also supporting the restoration of those that were harmed by the drug war Definitely. Uh, and by cannabis prohibition specifically. Definitely. And I think in part of that, you know, the, the, this movement toward restoration, you know, it's the reentry, it's expungement, it's ensuring that, you know, no one, it, no one is going into prison again or, you know, right. or serving in jail because of a cannabis crime and that the people who are currently in jail and prison are out. Um, and I think until we hit that, like we're, there's, ne it's, you know, we're never going to really realize what legalization is until we free all the prisoners of this, of a very corrupt uh, state institution. Uh, that prohibition represents. So thank you again, Shelley. I appreciate you, you taking the time and thank you again for continued dedication to both patients and consumers and ensuring that they have the best understanding and the best access possible uh, to an important medicine. Uh, this is Healing of a Nation. My name is Eric Opel. Thank you for joining us.